Welcome to the Artelligence Podcast. I'm Marion Manneker, and we're going to explore the mysteries of the global art market. The Mnuchin Gallery is holding a show of Simone Huntai's work from his first decade. Once a world-famous abstract painter, Huntai died in 2008, but he stopped showing his work as early as 1982. I sat down with his son, Daniel, former director of the Pompidou, Alfred Paquemont, and Sukanya Rajaratnam of the Mnuchin Gallery. Sukanya, why don't you start by telling us a bit uh, about how this exhibition came about? Sure. Um, I'll start with the specifics and then um, give you a broader answer as well. The specifics came about um, when I saw Alfred's incredible retrospective of Shimon Hantai at the Pompidou in 2013. I had seen examples of the artist's work um, sporadically at art fairs and at auction and um, knew the work but didn't know it well enough. And this was a real education because it told the story of an entire career. And that planted the seeds in a way for us to proceed with the show here. I subsequently saw the smaller version of the exhibition in Rome at the Villa Medici and um, had a wonderful visit with the family thereafter. But it was really the retrospective at the Pompidou, which um, acted as a game changer, if you will. Alfred, you put together that uh, retrospective, and I gather there's a story. Uh, it took a long time for it to um, come together. Could you give us a little bit of the background? Well, um, I was not the only one aiming to have a, an important exhibition and a, an overview of Simon Thay's work, because I have been, uh, for a long time, uh, very admirer of, of this uh, of this artist and uh, I have I had the, the conviction that uh, a full survey a full retrospective of his work was important to do himself uh, was reluctant for uh, something like that to happen he thought it was premature he had to, to work on his uh, archives on on his going back to some aspect of his work which was in his view uh, not well known not understood enough so he always said let's do it later let's do it later but he was not comfortable with the idea of a large retrospective and uh, and um, I think he told me once and uh, I'm sure Daniel can confirm that that um, he thought this, this would happen when he would not be there anymore. And uh, so after his uh, passing, I, I went to the family and uh, I asked them that, I told them that I thought it would be possible in the Saint Pompidou to do a large survey of the work. And uh, the family accepted this proposal. So we worked as a team of curators together with uh, Dominique Foucault, who is a poet and uh, art historian who has been very, since a very long time involved with Antai's work, as he has been also with Matisse. He did important Matisse exhibitions. 
And uh, the other, the third curator was Isabelle Conofontaine, who used to be the deputy director of the museum and uh, is a scholar in different fields. So we worked, the three of us together, and put this uh, very large exhibition, which was in fact the first survey from the beginning to the end of Antai's work. Of course, it could have been done differently. I'm sure there will be other shows done in the future, but at least this was the opportunity to see uh, the full range of the work and to publish an important catalog, which at the time was still missing. Daniel, your father stopped selling and even showing his work in 1982. So it was a full 25 years or more uh, between when he stopped showing and when he died. Uh, is there a reason behind that? Can you tell us a bit more about why he chose to stop uh, you know, being a publicly uh, shown artist? He didn't stop completely, but I will go further on. But I think one of the reasons was the uh, increase in the, in the market, you know, and then the, the fear that uh, maybe the market could influence his own work, you know, like finally even before he was always afraid of the problem with the, the commercial aspects of the art and then because he saw that the fact that uh, the money was here would influence and change the way of uh, doing the work and for example there were Mag Gallery in the past who was doing a lot of lithographies and he said more, many, many painters who went to this gallery then they changed their way of doing their work because they made more lithography than maybe they would have done if not. So that's one, one of the, of the aspects. But he took it very seriously and also because he started to be known and renowned in France so he thought, why should I earn more money, sell more? Uh, that was one, uh, one of the... And I should say that 82 was an important year because he, represent, he represented France at the Venice Biennale, so he mm -hmm. ended, right. ended with a bang, so to speak. You know, that was the highest um, honor at the time, I would say, for him. And um, to stop suddenly showing after that, or for the most part, was a radical decision. He stopped showing but not painting. He still uh, did work from 82 on, correct? Yes, mm -hmm. correct. Maybe and not as strongly than he, he did before, but he did some works which were not shown and some works where uh, he would take old paintings, cut them, and then make new paintings from them. So, and then it's not completely true that he didn't uh, show his paintings because they were a uh, few exhibitions, but they were not official exhibitions, let's say, not in uh, museums or, or like, so that he didn't want to. And then Alfred even uh, organized an exhibition in the, uh, uh, what's the name? Well, it was um, a space that the filmmaker and collector Claude Berry had uh, opened, which was a uh, an official space, it was not a museum, it was not an art center, it was not a gallery, and, and Simon I liked the idea to mm -hmm. be in a space like that without uh, this kind of uh, uh, ambiguous uh, situation. And at the time he had uh, uh, started doing what Daniel just mentioned, the so-called laissez, 
laissés sont des peintures qui sont coupées de larges anciennes peintures, où il choisit un fragment et ce fragment devient une nouvelle peinture. Et donc, il a fait une show très belle de ces laissés, ensemble avec quelques anciennes peintures qu'il avait choisi dans cet endroit. C'était dans les années 90s. And uh, also to mention what he did, he also did a lot of experiments in, in uh, before the end of his life. Right. Uh, from, uh, for instance, reconstructing works that had been damaged with uh, uh, new technology of printing. So he, he was very involved in a lot of things, but uh, he did not want to appear too much. And, uh, and when I say he didn't want to show, I meant in uh, more of a commercial context. But that, that, that's fascinating to me, given uh, what's going on right now. The art market uh, today is several orders of magnitude larger uh, and more valuable, or at least the prices are, are higher than it was in 1982. Uh, and many people talk about this exact uh, issue of, of does the market uh, change what artists produce? Does it have a detrimental effect on art in, you know, with a capital A? Uh, and I'm, I'm just curious, was your father content with that uh, decision? Uh, yes, he, he wanted, to, I mean, the decision of withdrawing from the, from the market, yes, certainly, and then he took it very seriously, and then, in fact, it was at his own... Uh, prejudice. Prejudice, uh, yes, yes, because uh, little by little the people forgot him, and then even in France, Yeah, what, I mean, it, what is difficult big... maybe to understand here in New York is that Antai in the 70s uh, was an extremely famous and respected artist in, in Paris. And many, many younger artists uh, referred to him and he was shown and he, he had a, uh, an important show at the Museum of Modern Art in 76. So he, 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 was, he was not some, somebody that was on the side. He was in the... In the And maybe this situation made him also uncomfortable. He didn't want to be the teacher, the master of a generation. He was very reluctant to that. So this was also, I think, part of his uh, reason to withdraw and not to appear as a master. But that's interesting because uh, Sukanya mentioned earlier to me that in many ways uh, this whole group of uh, current artists who are interested in process and abstraction Um, are very aware of his work and engaged in it. And so in, in a moment when we see a lot of work that has direct connections to this being presently made, that has direct connections to the work that's on view here and obviously in the rest of his uh, body of work, he ended up becoming the thing that you describe him being uncomfortable uh, with. Well, yes and no. I mean, I think he... I will say, even in front of Daniel, his son, that I think he was very aware of his importance as, a, as an artist, as a painter. He was not somebody who, uh, who, who was doubtful about that. But he, he, he did not want to have uh, followers, uh, direct followers. So he, he never taught in an art school, he never made lectures, I mean, he, he, was, he was very, I don't know the French, the English word for introverti, I mean, mm -hmm. he was uh, introvert. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but he, he worked a lot, he, he wrote a lot, he wrote a 
huge number of notes uh, and so on. He was a very intellectual person at the same time. And when somebody came to him, I think he, he, he gave a lot of information, a lot of discussion. He, he talked a lot, as you can see in the movie, that were, were done. So he was a very, very interesting figure. And if uh, younger artists, even today, are, are, have a, have a look, look at the work and are impressed by the work and, and think they, they get from the work uh, a lot, that's, I, I think, uh, it's, it's very positive. I mean, it, it's nothing to, to, to be uh, against that. And uh, I think, he, again, I think he knew he had uh, um, his new approach of abstraction was important. I mean, it was different and important. He's famous despite himself. <laughs> well, maybe because he didn't want to be famous. Uh, he would not be the first person to draw attention by uh, withdrawing. Uh, can you tell me a bit more about the reaction to the show you put on at the Pompidou? I mean, uh, uh, the broader, both the public reaction and artists and uh, others in seeing this work all together for the first time. I mean, uh, Sukanya obviously was intrigued and uh, became involved. What else are you aware of that, that came out of that show? Well, as was just said, uh, little by little, because of his uh, withdrawal, uh, Antai work was, even in France, was, if not forgotten, a little uh, outside of the, of the discussion. Uh, and um, I think uh, for people who, who knew a little bit the work, for people who knew only the name. I think the show was a very, very strong event because some periods of the, of the work, I mean, some periods of the work are, are much better known than others. And uh, for instance, the Etude, which is one of the rooms in, in, the, in the show here, are, you know, people know a little bit about the Etude because they have seen uh, work from time to time. But other periods of the work were really uh, not well known. Even the, the earliest pliage, the, the Marial, which are uh, here in this show, um, I think it was the first time since maybe ever that so mm -hmm. many Marial were put together. So um, the, the show was a, a very strong discovery for a lot of people, um, for artists, for... Uh, uh, foreigners who, who were not familiar with the work. I, th I, I think the show had a real impact. I, I was so uh, fighting to do this show mm -hmm. during a long time that I was extremely... Uh, I, I, I knew that it would be a, a big impact. A big, I, I knew it would be a very impressive show. I, I did not know how much the impact would come, but I'm sure there there was an impact, and what Sukanya just said is an example, a very rewarding example, I would say. And I think he would have been very happy of these results here in the, in the States because he wanted always to be confronted to the American painting. So maybe you will talk a little bit more after that, but you know, the, I said in the catalog that, uh, for example, when Pollock died, I recall as a, uh, as a child, he was really very affected because he had seen Pollock's paintings and then little by little, I think all the work until the pliage or a kind of preparation, he didn't know what would happen, but a preparation of the answer of 
uh, his own work to 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 Pollock. And uh, it's true also that here in the States there, there, there have been some exhibitions and then mostly at the Pierre Matisse Gallery, uh, but I don't think there was such a success. There was no so much reaction at that time uh, from what I heard. And uh, so, today so there is something different clearly, and then people become interested, and then even young painters become interested. You were talking about Parino. Uh, so so the, the people who learned about him really came through being in France, the, that the knowledge, the, the experience of the work is uh, in France more than that it was successful here in the US, and there was so much for people to, to refer back to. And, and you chose Sukanya to do the, the show as just the first decade um, because of, uh, of all these, uh, you know, paintings we haven't seen before, being able to, you know, when people come, they'll see the, the first uh, few rooms are a bit of a revelation. Uh, and as you just described, those are some of the earliest uh, uh, works. Uh, was that to keep the focus that way or just there's so much work I think the first decade is fascinating for this artist because he does five distinct series within 10 years. And there's a steady progression, albeit using the same pliage method, but there's a story that you can see unfolding as you go through the five rooms in the gallery. And it's a visual story. People understand it. And our challenge here at Munition Gallery was to a, introduce an artist who was well-known in Europe, but not so well-known here in the States, and B, tell a very concise story that people would immediately grasp. Now, Daniel alluded to the connection between Antai and Pollock, and that is a very important connection because this gallery, after all, is known for showing artists like Pollock. Um, our very first show in 93 was of Pollock. And to show... Um, the beginning of pliage, or to start with 1960, where Antai was triggered by Pollock and created this working method that involved the floor, i.e. putting the canvas on the floor, creasing it or folding it, if you will, and then painting over. It was a radically new form of painting, but one that had clearly been triggered by something that had come from the States. To tell that story here, in this gallery is important and to cover that first sort of decade I thought was important. The story continues with Andai and maybe there's another show to be done of the next few decades but to me the way to tell the story and to introduce the work was to focus on this first decade. Well and, and for you as a gallery the the permutations of abstraction, if I can put it that way, are an important theme. Uh, abstract expressionism has, has always been a, a big part of the Mnuchin ga Gallery's um, stock and trade, as it were, were. and we're seeing a, a, a rediscovery, not just with Hantai, but with other artists who fit into that tradition that I think people uh, see when they see the work as a bit of a revelation. 
Uh, and you know, you just had the Shiraga show, which sort of fits in that s- a similar sort of theme. Right. This this is sort of the broader answer to why hunt I. I was going to touch on it earlier, but this is a more appropriate time. And that is, you know, the gallery has carved an identity of showing American post-war art, the top echelon of abstract expressionist artist Pollock Rothko de Kooning. And after 25 years in the business, doing the same thing becomes somewhat limiting. First of all, it's repetitive. Secondly, the market has gotten um, so ebullient, if you will, that it's both economically and logistically unviable. The material simply has dried up. So what are our choices as a gallery? We can go back in time and run into the same problem of no material. We can go forward in time and show more contemporary art, which we have done successfully. Or we can move laterally in time and see what else was being done in the same period, albeit in different geographies. And Shiraga is a great example. Um, we went far east and you know, looked into Gutai, did an extremely successful show of an artist, again, who was having a dialogue with post-war American art in some sense, but was creating something that was entirely different, both philosophically and aesthetically. Um, Hantai is another example of this. And in a way, the gallery has done this because 10 years ago, we launched an Eve Klein show. And even though it's been only 10 years, when it was done in 2005 in this gallery, New York audiences really didn't have much of a grasp of who Eve Klein was. And now if you consider the market, it's gone leaps and bounds since then. When we did the Gunter Ucker show in 2011, this was during my time at the gallery, we were introducing Gunter Ucker. This was well before the Guggenheim did the uh, Zero show. And Zero as a movement hadn't really made much of an impact in um, the United States. So we keep going outside the bounds of American abstract art. And in a way, it's exciting because the world was doing interesting things at the same time. We just don't know it. Well, as you pointed out earlier, the world was fully aware of, and uh, uh, Hantai was a famous painter, and uh, somewhat the changes in the world where things have gotten forgotten, and then we've had this reemergence of globalization in a different way. It's almost like we're rediscovering things we, we used to know about. I mean, the, the world in, uh, culturally was much more global in the 50s and 60s. When you see pictures of Tehran in the period, when you find a lot of uh, artists and work from India and other places uh, from that same period, modernism looks fairly uniform or at least connected in a way that I think we're only beginning to appreciate again or fit together. Uh, which, which sort of raises my, my, maybe my final question, which is from the standpoint of a collector, who, who, what other artists would you like to see Hantai's work next to? Uh, you know, we talked a little bit, of, you, you mentioned uh, uh, Perino and, and uh, there's a, 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 one of the first paintings uh, in the show will remind many people of a Taba Auerbach uh, a painting, except the texture is in the uh, canvas rather than in the painting. Uh, is, is that where you sort of ideally like to see some of um, uh, your father's wor- works? Is there somewhere else that you, you think they would? We, 
we can talk about Yves Klein as well. There's that moon painting that is uh, uh, close to Klein blue and very similar to the anthropomorphic painting. But there is now a, 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 a moon painting in the Pompidou, which is exhibited close to a Rothko painting. And then I think it's very strong and they stand very well uh, both together, the way. And, uh, of and, course, um, they are. I'm sorry. Do you want to say a little bit about Harry Cooper's installation at the clock, where he exhibited an etude next to um, a lot of American post-war painting? Yes, the National Gallery bought an etude, a red etude. I think it's thanks to Harry Cooper who wanted, who really fighted to to get it because it was not so so easy, and then it was shown at the uh, National Gallery, but now it's closed because of work. And then they made last year an exhibition at the uh, Clark Institute uh, in Williamstown, mm -hmm. a group of paintings around Bullock, in mm -hmm. fact, and then one of the, uh, this red etude was, mm -hmm. was presented. I think it made a very strong case yeah. as to how Hantai stands up to abstract expressionist artists. Mm -hmm. um, Pollock was one of the artists, de Kooning, Rothko, Morris Lewis. So it, it's sort of a nice conversation between classic abex and color field painting. And um, this was one instance of um, him being integrated into a post-war dialogue in a museum. And I think the family would be ecstatic to see that happen more and more, because he really stands up to that, or his work stands up to that. And if you look at the Marials and their sort of relief-like texture, you can see countless links, albeit unintentional, with similar things that were going on in post-war America, New York specifically. And you need also uh, the recognition of the academic world. I mean, not only uh, the, the market world, it should go together. If you have only uh, uh, recognition by the market, that's not enough. And then I would not be uh, a good son of. Uh, yes, well, but that's, that was, is uh, that really, was clearly uh, an academic. Pretty close to the apex of the. Sure. But I mean, but in, in America. In, in America. And they, they were, I, I think, it, in the Wexner Institute. Uh, a few yes. years ago. Yes, there was uh, a great a very interesting show called As Painting. Yeah, um, and in that show, Antai has a very key position, as well as another French artist who was, in fact, quite uh, influenced by Antai, called Michel Parmentier, um, who also worked with the system of pliage, or the method of pliage, but in this case, more systematically. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I heard a few weeks ago that MoMA had just purchased a Parmentier. So mm -hmm. there is certainly a lot of, of, to discover or to rediscover uh, in, the, in European art, as you mentioned, mentioned the Group Zero also, uh, here in this country. And um, I'm, I'm very hopeful that uh, this show is one of those steps to, to understand better that uh, there, was a lot of, there was a lot of dialogue uh, intellectual and sometimes real uh, in this gener in this generation, and uh, you know those artists like Rothko or, or uh, uh, Pollock died yeah, younger, but uh, were, were in, in 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 they knew about what's what's happening elsewhere, 
And this has been little, little forgotten because the museum have closed a little bit the door. So now the doors have to be reopened. Mm -hmm. But I think, I think that there's only so many times we can go back to those same artists and we've somewhat taken them out of their context because the, the focus has been on this group of um, very powerful individual artists. But building that context up again seems to be driven as much by market demand as, as a real uh, thirst to figure out what else was going on and to see all the permutations uh, of this. I mean, uh, you know, the zero work was a very interesting combination of, of uh, prominent sales. There was Sotheby's did that very, very uh, strong uh, zero sale, which I think in many ways uh, alerted people who'd never uh, thought of before, and it was followed up with the the show. Uh, and I, I guess you know, was there not interest in the Pompidou show traveling, or is is, is it just a matter of uh, again sort of getting people interested to to revive that? Well, there was a, a smaller version, as was mentioned before, in Rome in the Villa Medici. But you know, one one difficulty is that Cantai's uh, paintings are very large. And uh, until now, they are mostly in, in Europe and in, in France. Uh, so to, to bring all those paintings to another venue is, uh, is, uh, is not easy. So I think it's the, the good way to, to, to understand the work is to do a um, more focused exhibition. I'm very positive about this show at Nushingari because it really focuses on one period, which is probably the most uh, important in the sense that really even if there are great, great and very important paintings before, but this part of the pillage are really the, the, the moment where the, the work shifts to something which has never been done before, which is really important and needs to be known. Uh, let's, let's hope that one day a very, very large show of Antai will take place in a great museum in America, but at least to see this kind of event, I think it's the, the, the best way to, to introduce the work to uh, the American audience. But I would also think, I mean, America is important, but now especially so is Asia and uh, South America. And in, in an interesting way, you know, the Gerhard Richter's abstracts are one of the you know, most important bodies of work because of their global appeal. Um, the large number of them and the fact that they seem to relate to people across many different um, cultures and, and, and uh, art historical uh, traditions, if you will. Uh, and this work has got similarities to, to that in the process and some of the random effects and uh, th these kinds of elements. And I would think if, if we're seeing strong uh, demand for Richter in um, Asia, then there's certainly the possibility that you'd see the same kind of strong demand, at least on the market side, if not on the um, museum side, uh, in Asia and South America as well. Maybe, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, Richter, uh, or uh, even as was a name that was mentioned by Sukanya, Yves Klein, I mean, those artists have been. Uh, if Klein stopped working in the early 60s because he died very young and Richter, I personally have been convinced since 45 years that Richter is a great artist and it's not since 45 years that he's been no, universally shown. So it takes time, it takes time. No, there is always a moment where the, the work is more accurate to be understood. I think this moment is, has come for Antai's work, as you mentioned, there are 
younger painters who can understand the work. And this is very important, or younger scholars. Mm. And this is very important to, to have the work uh, better, better known. Well, thank you all so much. This has been at least an education for me. <laughs> thank you to you. Thank you for listening to the Artelligence Podcast. Visit us at artmarketmonitor.com. 